Live from the Denver Press Club presents the topic of conversation with your host, Rob Scoggins. My name is Rob Scoggins. This is the topic of conversation, and this is the Denver Press Club, where the conversation begins. And tonight we have Dick Norsbush. Bush. Bush. How about Nasbish? Nasbish. Thank you. Nasbish. Dick Nasbish, who has uh, been on the board here at the Denver Press Club. He is a photographer. We'll be talking about that. We'll also be talking um, about his uh, wonderful music that he, he, he does throughout his life. And we'll also be talking about, you know, some of the stuff he's done in the world of uh, marketing and, and social media and, of course, um, public relations that he's spent most of his, his life doing. And uh, I want to welcome you to the show. And how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Thank you. Look, you. you look good. Oh, thank you. Thank you for yeah. having me. Oh, and happy, love, happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. We love having you here. Well, thank you. Um, you've been a big supporter of the show. You've taken pictures for us when we first started almost a year ago. Can you believe that? We're in our third no. season. You're the second episode of our third uh, third season. Well, I hope we make it. You do it many, many more well, years. We, we, I, it's a big opportunity for the press club to have you here doing well, this. I think, it's, I think it's great. We're very, very happy uh, to be here. Um, you you have an interesting life. You, you start off as a very... Um, small child. And, Normally do. And, <laughs> and, and in Buffalo. Virginia, and and yes. you grew to be a very tall man. How about that? Yeah. Well, how tall are you? 6'2". Uh, are you 6'2"? Yeah. Wow. Did you play sports? No. Uh, no, I was all into music. So you're that shy guy who, who were in band? Were you in band? Uh, yeah. I, I started playing drums when I was eight years old. In my eighth grade, I was playing in bars. In high school, as a recording, we had a little one-hit wonder, and we traveled around the state with a radio station back in New York, and on and on and on and on. So you were like the 1970s Justin Bieber? <laughs> Funny guy. <laughs> Funny guy. No, no I wasn't. No. <laughs> and the, the, the amazing part, all through that time, even through high school, yeah. I was very shy. I'm not, you know, not like I am today. Believe no, you're way more fun, yeah. <laughs> and um, the drums protected me. It's almost like, you know, they protected me from uh, whatever. But I was very shy. Have you seen that with with your other drummer friends where drums were their release, drums were their, was, you know, something they can bang on and get away with it? And is that... No, because, you know, I what happened, my parents, I lived in the city of Buffalo until I was 10 years old. Then we moved south of the city, 32 miles. Uh, near a place called Angola and Silver Creek, New York. And uh, when I got out there, the high school, when I was gotten this rock band, you know, they needed a drummer. No one else had drums. I had drums, and I got in this band. What was the name of the first rock band you were in? That time, it was called The Classman. And right. our, our lead singer went on to become, you know, pretty famous, a guy by the name of Clint Holmes, who's a Las Vegas uh, showcaser. He had his own theater out there. Now he performs in Atlantic City and all, all throughout the world. You know, phenomenal guy. I keep in contact singer, with him. Uh, yep. Singer? Entertainer. He's incredible. Absolutely incredible. But even, you know, when we were playing in high school, we knew this guy was special. He just had that that certain talent that you just know that he's going to go on and uh, become very famous and very noted. Now, when you were starting your band, what, what, what were the bands that were like, in. I mean, was it Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons? Am I going no, no, too no. far back? You're going too far back. So, okay, too far back. Yeah, I was, you know, when I was in high school, it was the Beatles. The Beatles, the yeah, Beatles sure. Out, you know, and of that's, course, uh, mid-60s. Yeah. But I still remember I was interviewed for our high school newspaper. I said, what do you, you know, you're in the, the, the classroom. What do you think of the, the Beatles? I said, great music, but their hair is so long. <laughs> <laughs> dumb. Yeah. <laughs> really dumb. But, um, yeah, I was, you know, all through high school, I was into, you know, we were playing rock and so forth. Then I had my own band when I got out of, when um, we left the classroom, because most of the guys in the classroom were a year older than I am. Okay. So then I had my own band called JC and the All-Stars, which you could either say Jesus Christ and the All-Stars sure. or Julius Caesar and All-Stars, whatever you want to do. So what does the JC stand for? Uh, like just Cause? Just Cause. <laughs> just Cause. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I got into a little trio, and we mainly played jazz. And most of the stuff I'm playing today when I was in college and so forth. Then when I moved out here, I went back to rock and had some you know, pretty noted people in, in Denver and different groups I played with. But uh, uh, the more successful things, we uh, played at Fitter's Green, opened up for John Mellencamp, and we played at Red Rocks, Film and a Rock series, and it was a lot of fun. Did, uh, but, go ahead. But I was just going to say, one of the funniest stories, I when I first started a group out here, I had some pretty noted people. I had, for example, Eric Dice, who was the marketing director for Red Rocks, Denver Summer Performing Arts Complex. He was playing rhythm guitar. I had 
a friend of mine who's um, one of his things is right behind you. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning um, cartoonist, Mike Keith. Mike Mike Keith played right. Mike Keith was Mike Keith was a guitar player. So, anyways, uh, our first gig, total disaster. It, really? It's kind of well, really, really bad. Well, let me tell you about it. What happened? Like drums blowing up? Bad no, it or? wasn't drums. It was the whole our whole group. We, okay. we we just started the group. We practiced maybe a month or so, and Eric calls me up. He said, "Hey, uh, this guy knows got uh, he double books. He's supposed to play the Bluebird and also a place up in the mountains called um, <laughs> Reggie's Will of the Whisk. Okay, it's way up in the mountains someplace. No longer there. Right. So, and I'm talking many, many, many years ago. So." We said, oh, we're so excited and so forth about playing up there. Well, it was on a Saturday night. So we drive up to this place. We're driving. It's Friday night. It's in the middle of winter. It's in January. We took the gig. So we're driving up there and driving and driving. And it's off of 285. And I have no idea. We never scooped the place out, which is the first thing you should always do. Get up there. I had to pull over to stop someplace and said, where is it? And they said, oh, it's another three miles up the road on the right-hand side. You're going to get up and then you can look down a little ravine. It's down in the ravine. So I'm driving up. I see this sign that says Reggie's Will of the Whisk. Okay, and I looked down. I said, oh, sugar. The place was kind of a dilapidated house. The mm. screen door in the front was, you know, falling off. And the guy told us, said, well, pull around the back door, towards the back by the trailer, come in the back door. So I get back there. We start taking the stuff out of the car. I open up the back door. And soon enough as I open up this old wooden door, all I smell was stale beer and smoke pouring out. Mm. Walked in the place. It's a, a checkered tablecloth. All they, <laughs> all they uh, sold was beer and pizza. Okay. okay. And the pizza was terrible. I'm sure. Well, a <laughs> bunch of motorcycles in front. We step <laughs> on stage. And the guy, uh, short guy, bald-headed from the south, comes up to me and says, you guys hear the band? And he's missing the front tooth, okay? So, well, he, they, they just, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so he comes up. So we walk up, uh, and he says, well, let me show you the, 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 the stage. Well, the stage was a little platform, about eight foot. You know, eight, like CBGB. Eight by like yeah, CBGB? You got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was so proud because on the back, it was next to the fireplace. And next to the fireplace, he put uh, fire, uh, excuse me, Christmas tree lights with a real stat that okay. you could turn on for like, you know, fantastic looking yeah. place. Well, we started playing, and quite frankly, we stunk. And you know, there really? wasn't, how many songs did you play? <laughs> we were supposed to play there for two two hours or so. Oh, we played there for maybe an hour and a half at okay. the most. Yeah. By the end of the night, by the time we got done, we um, there's one guy left at the bar, and he yells out, "Hey, can you guys play some country and western?" So smart ass me yells out, sure. "What do you want, the country or the western?" Ah. <laughs> We were disgusted yeah. with ourselves. We laughed. Fortunately, we got paid. We went off to Mike's Keith's house, and we started drinking and drinking and drinking. Went mm -hmm. through a, quite a few bottles of wine when he used to live up in uh, Evergreen. And uh, it's now like 2, 3 in the morning. What year was this? I don't want to go into this. Quite a, yeah, yeah. Quite a few years ago. Making sure the place is still around. It's, it's not. Okay. Well, I'll tell you why, because it's even funnier. <laughs> so we get... Um, I said, I don't know how to get out of here. And Mike said, well, you take uh, Turkey Kick Road down to 285, go down to Denver, blah, blah. I said, okay, fine. So I'm following him. And I know we're on 285. And he pulls off the side of the road. And I pull off. And he comes up to my window. And I roll down the way. I said, what's wrong? He said, Dick. Now, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, right? Sure. Roll down the way. I said, Dick, you ever notice we're going uphill and we should be going downhill? <laughs> <laughs> That's not it. Okay. Yeah. So we get back down. And um, I noticed that next morning I left my drum rug up there. So I said, oh, crap, I got to go back up there. So I take my son with me. We go up there. And you know the, the, the movie, The Blues Brothers, where they play and they're throwing beer in that? Well, that's about yeah, much okay. smaller type of thing. Sure. He looks at the places. I'm not going to that dump. <laughs> so <laughs> we, uh, two days later, I get a call from a friend of mine. He says, hey, you guys aren't famous. I said, well, what do you mean we're famous? He says, you're the last band that played at Willie's, uh, Reggie's Willie the Whisk. I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? He said, well, didn't you hear? I said, and he said, I can't believe you played in that place. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, didn't you know uh, the place, he burnt the place down because he was selling drugs and guns. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, Whoa. There you go. We're the last band that they're claiming to fame. Yeah, last quite, band too. Quite, it's quite a, <laughs> a, it's quite an accomplishment. Oh, absolutely. So I don't, you know, that's been. I guess. Did you see any drugs or guns? <laughs> no, I did not. No. All I do remember is, is 
bald headed guy with a missing tooth come up and say, "Hey boy, what you you the were you the band? You the band? You the band? You the band? Yeah. Uh, when it comes to drumming, uh huh. I, I know a little about drummers. I mean, I'm. They're, know, they're nuts. Yeah, I know. They're, they're, so yeah, they're the heart of they're the heart of the <laughs> band. The of Come the on, band. they're the heart of the band, yeah. of course. Right. Um, obviously, you know, notables. Ringo Starr comes to mind. Of course, um, and I had the chance to meet him one time. So uh, <laughs> Phil Collins comes to mind. Right. Who who out there influenced you? I mean, who who would you just say, dude, that guy gets it? Well, you know, when I grew up, one is during the '60s, and I certainly admired Ringo Starr, but you had. You know, he had pretty uh, easy beats for Ringo. I mean, I mean it, it was it wasn't real difficult. It wasn't no, but he was actually the best drummer for the Beatles. Sure, he really was. Yeah. But you had Cream going. You know, you had Ginger Baker, who's a real. I won't go into that. That's but right. he was back in those days. He was a. Uh, was Eric Clapton's band Cream? Uh, no? was, who was the lead singer Cream? I don't even know. I can't remember. I can't was it Eric? I don't know. Yeah, it was, it Eric, was Eric Clapton. Yeah, Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. Yeah. Eric Clapton yeah. and yeah. Bruce, right? Yeah. Bruce, uh, bass player. Yeah, yeah. but. Uh, Plus, in the jazz area, you know, you had Buddy Rich, who was a phenomenal, phenomenal drummer. I think he, his personality was terrible, right? But uh, phenomenal drummer at that time. So there's different drummers that you know I admired during the time. Isn't jazz more? In, isn't jazz more like spontaneous and more no. more improv? I mean, a lot of people think jazz is no. improv. No, because no. the guy will sit well. at the piano and just start going, and then everybody just joins in. Depends what type of jazz you play. Okay. You know, there is that type of jazz, improvisational jazz, like, you know, who's phenomenal, which I, I I think he's one of the best musicians ever, was Miles Davis. Miles Davis, you know, a oh, lot yeah. like that. But I don't play that type of stuff. You know, we're, we're, we're uh, I am, we're very much controlled. I mean, we, we know what we're doing. I mean, the, the group I have now, I've been with, like my keyboard player, Rob Schmidicke, he's a phenomenal player, keyboard player. He's my music director. He's the guy, the, the other bald-headed guy in the picture. Okay, you're yeah, at. the guy right here. Yeah, yeah. and um, I've been with him for three and a half, four years now, and we know, I know if he goes off sometime, I know what he's doing, and he knows what, that's one thing about a band, you, you know, if, if you're missing a part or doing something wrong, you know the feel, and you know, you go on, and, and that's why I always say to a band member, if you make a mistake, you just go on, you don't stop and say, oh, heck, I, I, I screwed up here. But, uh, and the, the more you play with somebody, it, it's... One of the, like I've been in many bands since I've been out here, both rock bands and jazz bands and so forth. One of the most important things I look for in my musician friends is their personalities. Sure. Because if we're, you know, I've had people that just had personalities. I said, you know, get out of here. We, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a funny, I won't mention the guy's name because I don't know where he, but I had a rock band. I had this one singer and she was a pretty, uh, big lady, wonderful lady, and she. They're called, I, they're called voluptuous. Yeah, voluptuous. Yeah. She was. Uh, I always call her my my motorcycle mama because she used to yeah, come in yeah. with a Harley and so forth. That works too. Just a great voice and so forth. And I was missing a bass player, so she said, "Oh, I got this guy. I can bring him. I can bring him. I can bring him." I said, "Okay, let's bring him." And everybody you know, knows somebody. Absolutely. Right? Everybody so my son was going with me at the time, and I'm in the back room. We're having practice day. He said, "Dad, Dad, come here. You got to look at this." So I go out and. She comes driving in with a car, and out this guy comes, and I looked at him. He's, oh my God, he's outside. He looks like ZZ Top. Okay, yeah, well. he's got wait a minute. He's got the sunglasses on, and long hair, and so forth. So he comes in, and I'm interviewing first, and he's sitting across. I got a little green room, and he's crossed on the couch with my singer, and I'm sitting there, and um, asking him questions. And he played with us. And then that night she called up and said, well, what did you think of him? I said, there's no way I'll ever have him in my band. There's three reasons why okay. I won't have him. One, he, I don't need a ZZ Top. This is not a, you know, he looks like a ZZ Top. Two, he wasn't that good. Her response was, well, he just got out of jail. I just picked him up the other day. <laughs> Wait a minute. It goes which, on. Which is, <laughs> could be. Okay. <laughs> He knows Third, a lot of people, though. Yeah, he knows a lot of people. Yeah. Second, I said, the number one reason I will not ever play with this guy, I'm sitting like where you are across from me. Are you ready for this? I could smell his B.O. Oh, that's, that's lovely. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, God, get it I thought you were going. I thought you were going to tell us that he bought guns and drugs from oh, yeah, the place from you the, last played. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you go through, and I remember another guy I interviewed one time. He was a keyboard player. Okay. And he had thick, like, and I'm seriously, a thick inch glasses, 
you wore these thick, very thick glasses. Okay. And he'd be playing away. I remember that. I'm going, I mean, oh some musicians are very unique looking people. I know, but this Which guy. Can help, wait a minute. Okay. You know? So he's playing away. We said, okay, let's try this song. He's playing away. He stops in the middle of the song and he had these squeaky voice and he said, What key are we in? No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He talked just like that. Okay, what key are we in playing? I don't know the key. And that's what he said? That's what he said. Yeah, that's what he talked the whole time. <laughs> yep. That's pretty funny. You know, I mean, Elvis, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Elvis Costello has a unique look. I mean, there's a lot of musicians well, I who, have a, I unique, understand. who have a unique look. Who it's them, fine. Who it's them. fine. So what my, my point is, the personalities of the people are is much more important. And the people I have now are, you know, are just great. My lead singer, Julie Peck, wonderful person. The uh, Altitude, rap, right? Altitude. Altitude Jazz and Beyond, because yeah. we play uh, previously to this. But, you know, some people say... Is the name of the band Altitude? It's called Altitude Jazz, Jazz and Beyond. And Beyond. Oh, yeah, okay. Because we play like jazz. Earth, Wind, and Fire. You got, oh, okay. it. got it. Because we play, we don't, we play jazz, but we play everything, you know, everything from the old uh, classics to Ella Fitzgerald to Amy Winehouse to, you know, current things. You guys play Amy Winehouse? Yeah, we play some songs by Amy Winehouse. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. It's a whole broad type of a range of so songs we do. So it's an, in, important to, in uh, my bass player, uh, Fred uh, Rogers. You know, he looks uh, like a bass player. What he, just you know what he does? Totally looks he's like a, a bass player. He's a retired uh, uh, judge. Really? And he sits in every once in a while. What yeah. type of judge was he? Traffic, uh, probably? Uh, no, I think uh, both criminals and so forth. He's wow. a great guy. Great guy. Sent a, uh, a lot of people to jail. <laughs> well, you know, he's a good fan. There you go. There you go. Get to, get to, he's got this one guy out. No. And what, is, what, is, what does he do for a living? Rob's uh, just retired. Just he, retired. Yeah. From? He used to work for, uh, I think there were a school system. He was in charge of the, the transportation okay, system so and so forth like job. that. Yeah. And then and what guy. does she do? Julie, phenomenal. She's going to be, by the way, at the Press Club next Thursday night. She's my guest bartender. We okay. are in charge of guest Yeah, you bartender. mentioned that. Okay. She is a, she owns a chocolate company called, yeah. she is the- <laughs> Show me the way. Yeah, you go. Phenomenal chocolate. She has a company and she's called the Chocolate Therapist. She's got three- the what? Chocolate therapist. There, you, there go. you go. Yeah, great place. Obviously, obviously Mariah's been there. There you go. <laughs> she <laughs> some therapy is, there. She goes around and lectures on the benefits of chocolate. Very good. And really? she's yeah, she's got three books out on on chocolate. While she's guest bartending, uh, I will I will definitely be here. Will she bring some dark chocolate? Will, will you uh, ask her? I, 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 Just come on, man. You know her. You <laughs> sing with her. You do stuff with her. <laughs> yeah, All right. Phenomenal. So those are. You know, they're great people. You great. love you love jazz. You're a product of the 60s. I'm a product of the 80s. I love jazz. Um, what's going on with the new millenniums? Uh, is jazz picking up with them? I know swing is swing dancing is starting to come in more into in, well, into flair with them. Flair, did I say flair? More into uh, fashion with them. Uh, fleet, fleet uh, with them. Is jazz, are you seeing younger folks? Are you seeing the under 25s coming in? I think so, absolutely. Plus, you know, I look back and uh, when I was doing rock, well, I'm going to tell you a, a cute story here because people say to me, how do you feel? You know, you, you used to Does do, the story uh, involve Smurfs? Because that could no, be a cute story. Sure. Yeah. No. No, okay. But they say, you know, what's the difference between how did you like playing rock? Did you like, and I said, well, I love playing rock. I mean, playing Red Rocks is phenomenal. And I, I remember, Every musician's dream. Well, I exactly. Mean, it's, it's, up there, uh, it's up there on the stratosphere. Oh, no doubt about Everybody it. Everybody wants to play there. And I remember my bass player went past me during the, when we were playing. I said to him, I, I whispered to him, I said, do we really sound this good? Because acoustics up there mm -hmm. are just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But people were, uh, tell you a story when I, I said, yeah, but the big difference is when I left rock and got into jazz, one of the reasons why is a good friend of mine, guy Eric Dice, he used to be the, the marketing director for Red Rocks and mm -hmm. all these places. I always used to go to him for marketing advice. And I went to him one day and I said to him, I was having lunch with him. And I said, hey, you know, I'm just not getting any more gigs anymore. What, you know, do you have any suggestions? And you're not personally or you're talking about you? The, the yeah, band. The band, yeah. Yeah. And he said, well, first of all, there is, and this is quite a few years ago, he said there's 560 bands in Denver. you got a lot of competition. Yeah. But some are, you know, garage bands up to professionals. He said, and if I said to you, what is the average age of a rock band? And I said, oh, average, I'm guessing, uh, 15 to 35, average. And he says, okay, what is the average age of a jazz band? He says, 15 to 95. And he looked at me, crossed his arm. He says, Dick, how old are you? <laughs> Duh. So I got into... Uh, <laughs> That's a cute story. <laughs> True story. <laughs> True story. But um, I got into you know playing... No, our first jazz band I had was called Black Tie Classic Jazz. And we used to be on tuxedos. And we used to play just classic jazz all the time. Sure. 
But and people were saying, well, what's the difference between? And I said, okay, I'll give you a good, give a good idea. We did a recording one time. Now, give me a song. Give me somebody out there that would be you know considered classic jazz that you would play during your sets. Yeah, right here. Yeah, well, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. yeah. On my CD, we have blues guys. We have moon dance. We have the in crowd. We have blues is my business. We have crazy and wave. So it's everything from country to jazz to okay. all kinds of different things. But uh, one of the things, as I said to people, the last place we played, we did a recording, great place called the Walnut Room, and they oh, just yeah. you know great. Well, that's a pizza and guns. <laughs> exactly, right. because I'm saying okay, the <laughs> no, last no place there, right no now, drugs yeah. now. But he said, the last place we played, we played there, and you know they gave us uh, a couple pitches of beer and a couple pieces. Yeah. I says, okay. When I went to jazz, I walk in, you know, I played Dazzle, I played other places. What do you, and you play country clubs, you get liver pate, you get shrimp, you get the yeah. level of respect is so much higher, higher for jazz. Yes, okay. totally, totally. Right, interesting. Plus, I find there's more jazz places around today than uh, there was in the past. Uh, much yeah. more, much more acceptable. I mean, we have... Uh, Jazz at Jake's. Or... Well, that's been around for a long time. Sure. Great place. But, you know, Dazzle... Jack, sorry, Jazz at Jack's. Jack, sorry. Dazzle certainly is, you know, yeah. uh, has always been. It, it, Dazzle is one of the top 100 places in the world. They've been for the last four or five years with Downbeat Magazine, right here in Denver, Colorado. Great place to play. Do you know any other jazz bands? I mean, do you have any other guys? Sure, that you, sure. That you do uh, gigs with? I, I don't do gigs with. I just know other musicians. You know, a friend of mine is a, is a great jazz musician, does a lot of original compositions. Guy is that name, who you go in here? That's who you like? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. A guy by the name of Chris Kroger. You know, he's got a trio, plus he, he gets other play, people he plays with and so forth. Great, great musician. But going back to, I mean, you have Dazzle today, you got Nocturne today. There's many, many different places. One of the places we play, we have a steady gig. We'll be playing there the 30th of this month is a place down on South Broadway called LaCour. 30th January. In January, yeah. We'll yeah. be playing. We were there for this month. We're also there for February. We pretty much play there once a month. Nice. Uh, it's a French place. It's a block. It's diagonally across from Herman's Hideaway on South Broadway. Big okay. blue building. And what's the name of it again? LaCour. 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 It's a French, it's a French restaurant, but it is a art, they have artwork on the walls every month rotating and just some great, and they're, they're I think they have jazz six days a week. We've been talking about uh, jazz with Dick, uh, Nosh Bush, Nosh Biersch. Nosh Bish. Nosh Bish. <laughs> I'd love your last name. Nosh Bish. And uh, we're just going to, it's called, uh, the, the name of the band is called uh, Altitude Jazz and beyond. Correct. Let's listen to a song right now from the band called Moondance. Well, it's a marvelous night for a moon dance with the stars up above in your eyes. A fantabulous night to make romance neat the cover of October skies. And the leaves on the trees are falling to the sound of the breezes that blow. And I'm trying to please to the calming of your heartstrings that play soft and low. And all the night's magic seems to whisper and hush. And all the soft moonlight seems to shine in your blush. Can I just have one more moon? Well, I want to make love to you tonight I can't wait till the morning has come And I know that the time is just right And straight into my arms you will run And when you come, my heart will be waiting To make sure that we're never alone There and then all my dreams will come true, dear There and then I will make you my own Every time I touch you Thank you. 
love you this man to make romance Need the cover of October skies And the leaves on the trees are falling To the sound of the breezes that blow And I'm trying to please to the calling Of your heartstrings that plays off in love And all the night's magic That's a great song. It's a, really, yeah. well, well, how'd the crowd like? They, they liked really like it. it a lot. It uh, was a great fantastic. song. Absolutely. Uh, wonderful song. A lot of fun. <laughs> um, and uh, how long does it take you guys to sit down and just, and, you know, you got, what is it, how many songs in this one? Six. There's only six. Um, that's, 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 that's all you need. Uh, how long does it take you guys to sit down and get that done? It depends upon the music. You know, if there's songs we don't know or original songs, it, it can take quite a while. So, I mean, I have a recording studio in my house. And yeah. It's all soundproof. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. And, Enough uh, for a band? Yeah, you we do nice, all. Our, you have a nice size house then. <laughs> it's in my party at Dick's house. It is. <laughs> uh, where we do all our practices and okay. so forth, and um, in another room, I have you know recordings okay. uh, instruments. I mean, it's so easy to do recordings today. And plus, I had a uh, former band member who used to be a guy by the name of Paul Conley. Paul Conley, back in the '60s, used to be in a group called Lothar and the Hand People. Mm-hmm. Now, here's another funny story. Of you. Yeah, go. When I had my rock group, I was putting different people together. What was the name of that band, the rock group? Uh, which group was that? Um, I don't remember. That's okay. Anyways, I was meeting at a restaurant in Denver that I normally frequently, and I was sitting in a booth in the middle, and I was introducing Paul, who's been with me before, to my new um, uh, lead guitar player. So we sit down, and Paul says to this person, he says, well, how'd you get to Colorado? He says, well, I came from the East Coast, and I went, you know, when I was in college, I, I dropped out of college because I got in this group. We toured the East Coast, and we did a lot of recordings. He said, well, how'd you get in Colorado? He said, well, our agent booked us in Aspen, but he said, the funniest thing happened. He said, and I said, what? He said, well, it's not about blah, 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 blah. We had to change our name. And he, Paul said, what do you mean you had to change your name? Yeah, we had to change the name of the group because this other group there was called Lothar and the Hand People. We're called Lothar and blah, 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 blah. So we had to change the grain. <laughs> and that S-O-B group, blah, blah, blah. And Paul crosses his hands, goes across the room and says, yeah, I know that other S-O-B group. I was a bass player. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm just assaulted there. the guy. Yeah, that's, that's I'm always. sitting there laughing my head off. I said, here's 40 years later, you guys are going to play in the same band together. <laughs> was a good icebreaker, right? <laughs> yeah, very much so. You know, everybody's doing auto-tune. Everybody's experimenting with the, with the way they do the music, with the way they... Uh, you know, express themselves uh, digitally. Are, are you doing a lot of digital now? Are you guys doing, is jazz getting to that? Because jazz, jazz to me is so pure. It's it's four or five instruments that we all know and love. We got piano, drums, bass, and and, and usually and some, and, and, huh? Singer. And singer. Yeah. It, it's a really, it's a really simple quartet, usually. Sometimes there's four or five. I mean, Earth, Wind, and, it, Earth, Wind and Fire is like gigantic, but, you know, there's others uh, out there who, who have really, What's going on there? Are, are you guys starting to get more digital and doing some crazier stuff? Or are you trying to stay as pure as you can? You know, it, it depends what you want to do. I, I mean, our group, uh, we're getting some original music now that Joey has written and, and Rob's involved with and so forth. But um, as far as digitally, it's like, let's go back. I don't play acoustic drums. I play digital drums. I've been playing them for 20 years. Wow. I love them. That's all I play. Really cool. Yeah, because... You just use your fingers? Absolutely. Well, you could. <laughs> yeah. But um, because you get so many more sounds. I mean, most acoustic drummers, they may have, I mean, professionalized, they may have 20, 30 different snare drums and, you know, 40 cymbals and so but forth. But you can actually play drums. I mean, there's some kids who can't even play drums. They're doing digital. Oh, sure. I understand. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the advantage of digital, if you're in an apartment or something, you put a headphones on and that's it. 
And the thing, nice part about doing uh, digital drums and recording, you're recording right straight out. You don't have to mic all your drums and so forth. Plus, mm. I have my, my the the other thing is I have a high end drum set. I mean, it costs a couple thousand dollars for the set. The set I have uh, 500 kits in that set. I can change to if I want to change to a Latin sound. I can change. Mm-hmm. I can change the depth of this. I can change the head. I can change where the mic placement and each individual thing from the cymbals to the heads itself. Sure. So it's a phenomenal uh, advantage for me. So every song, I have a different modular that I go to, most every song, that I can just plug in. If I want to have the bass drum getting a little bit bigger, like I want a, t- a 26-inch huge bass drum, I can just dial it in like that and, and, and get that type of ba-boom. Or if I want a snare, a very what type, of, what type of sound? Ba-boom. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, really. Yeah. Oh. Type of thing. What are drums made out of? I mean, I, I know back in the day, drums were made out of cowhide and a. Bong, oh, you mean the bongo. heads are? No, they're, they're. What are they made out of? What are drums made out of now? Uh, wood. Huh? <laughs> wood. Wood. <laughs> wood. Wood and what else? Well, well wood, they're and wood and metal. 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 The, the heads it? no longer. They're no longer calfskin heads. I, mm-hmm. I think you could still probably get some. And I first playing, yeah. Because yeah. I remember every time, just about every gig, I went to uh, a, a drum head. I used to break them because I was so powerful. <laughs> the way I went. But uh, today they're all they're all plastic heads. I mean, they're, but there's there's all kinds of different manufacturers of heads that give you different tones for the acoustic drums. I'm mm-hmm. talking, but I'm strictly right now digital, and I love the digital sound. I love the sound because I can do so much with it. I had the honor of uh, interviewing uh, Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac sure. back in October when he was here at the at Fascination Street Art Gallery. Sure, um, and he is so passionate about his drum set. He is. It's part of his life. It's part of his body. Of he course. says he says he feels that it's actually an extension of who he is. Uh, he I agree. says he's a very fat, tall British man, but you know he's not. He's just—I mean—that's what he feels. He feels like this right. is this is my, this is me. Do you feel the same way? Absolutely. I would not. Quite frankly, I don't like anybody else to touch my set because <laughs> 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 I am tuned. I mean, this I setting. <laughs> that sounds a little perverted, but that's yeah, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> It's like a beautiful woman in front of you. You yeah. know, it, it, uh, it, everything's tuned to my specifications to you, yeah. that I want. So that, that's, that's very, very, very important to me. So that's, that's the music part of it. We'll be back right after the break. Consider joining the Denver Press Club, which offers a relaxing atmosphere of camaraderie and creativity and serves as the hub for Denver's media, public relations, and communications community. It's the nation's oldest press club with the first organized meeting held in 1867 and with the club making its home at 1330 Glenarm Place since 1925. Please visit our website at denverpressclub.org to find out all the great things that are happening throughout the week, month, and year. We're open Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Come by and see us. I want to welcome all the 40 countries that listen to us around the world on our radio podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. My name is Rob Scoggins. I am the host of the Topic of Conversation uh, right here at the Denver Press Club. And I want to remind you, anytime you come down here to the Denver Press Club live on Wednesday night, please come down to 1330 Glen Arm and join us right here as being a part of our live studio audience. And have a Zing Tea on me. Zing Tea is the official beverage of our show. Now, this uh, month's drink of choice is Zing Tea with Mango. If you want to try it, just go over to the bartender right over there and say, I want a Zing Tea on Rob. And you can have a Zing Tea on me. Come on down. We want to thank the Laban Brothers over at New Age Beverage for being a part of the show and such a huge part of the show. Uh, and uh, thank them again for uh, donating and having a Zing Tea on the menu here. So come on, down to the, uh, come on down to the press club any Wednesday night when the show is on and have a Zing Tea on me. Me, you, and Zing Tea right here at the press club. And also want to remind you, uh, one, of the best, uh, one of the best movies nobody's seeing right now is called Brooklyn. It's about a young lady who leaves home uh, and comes back a changed woman. It is nominated for SAG Awards. It's also been nominated for an Academy Award. So uh, please go see uh, Brooklyn. It is in theaters and independent theaters all over the city of Denver. And uh, we are back. It is, uh, <laughs> we are here at, uh, at the Press Club, and this is the Topic Conversation. We're with Dick Noshbish, and we are so happy to have him here. And we've been talking about music and jazz, one of his passions that he's had since he was eight years old. And now he is a grown man. You're just you just you just grown up right in front of our faces. Absolutely. And uh, photography is a huge part of your life too. Mm-hmm. Um, you have had a lot of fun with it. I mean, it's been you've, yes. you've you've gone from you've gone from Kodak to what do you use now? Of course, digital. Digital. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything's digital. Yeah, everything's digital. Um, and uh, you have you have not only done that. You have 
you have taken pictures of, of the world. I mean, you've been all over the place. And, but you have a passion mm-hmm. uh, uh, for naked people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ladies. Ladies, right, right. Ladies. Thank you. No dudes? No, no guys? No dudes, no. Not even their upper body? Not no, even upper lower body? body? No, 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 no. Just the ladies? Just the ladies. Painted yes. ladies? Do they have to be painted? No. No? I don't paint Where's your book? We had your book. Oh, wait, I gave somewhere. it to your... Uh, My exec? The exec here she someplace. Doing? She's in probably the other uh, room or something. I gave it to her. But bit. tell us a little about the book you just got into. <laughs> she, I think she stepped out <laughs> on that. Well, there's an internet. I was in this about five years ago. There's an international publication that goes to like 60 different countries called BMW, okay. which stands for black and white. It's a connoisseur's publication. And every year they put out a competition. And their deadline was this past June. So I submitted some work to them. And they contacted me about a month ago and says one of your pieces has been accepted for it. And I have a full page in it. And it's in the February issue of BMW Magazine, which I'm very happy with. Now, I was, like I said, I was in there about five years ago. So I'm very happy with that. And I'm also having a gallery showing down in Santa Fe. I think the best gallery, one of the best galleries in the country called Andrew Smith Gallery in Santa Fe. It's a block away from the George O'Keefe Gallery. So go go stop in there. They have beautiful pieces. And you know, Andrew Smith is a great, great, great guy. And I also have an agent in uh, Dallas that represents me. So now, now I was a boy soprano when I was a, a young tyke, and yes. it is hard for it's hard for a teacher to teach voice if the person can't sing. Would you agree? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it hard when you were a teacher to teach people who can't, who have no sense of timing or looks, or if that looks nice, or is photography just inside the soul? I mean, how can you teach photography, which you've done? Yeah, and done I, I, successfully. I, well, I, yeah, I taught photography, but I'll tell you the truth. You know, I taught, I st- helped start the photography program at the Art Institute of Colorado. You helped but, start the program? Yes. Yeah. And uh, I did that for, what, 11 or 12 years. And until, like, frankly, I got burned out because I was doing the same thing over and over and over again. Right. Looking um, through a little but, hole. And... But the other thing I enjoyed much more, I also used to do a lot of glamour workshops. You know, mm-hmm. I taught some in Chicago, I taught some in New York. What's a glamour workshop? What's that? Uh, nude. Nude workshop. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Well, I thought it was a magazine. I need to start getting glamour. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I thought it was just a chick magazine. It yeah, just talked magazine. about fashion. But <laughs> the big difference is the people that I got in workshop wanted to be there. They yeah. wanted to take as much information from you. And I'd be, I was so happy to give that information. Where you get the college kids, you got some kids that eh, I got to be here. My parents are paying for this and I don't really want to be here. They yeah. could care less. And, you know, they sleep in the back of the room or something like that. You know, I got so burnt out on that. And I have a tremendous respect for, for instructors, for teachers. Sure. But uh, I, I certainly enjoyed the workshop much more because the enthusiasm with the people, they wanted to be there. And, uh, you know, someone on it and became some noted people. And some of the models I had went on to become so some noted models and so forth. So does your, does your class start with a pinhole camera and how to make that? And then no. And moves forward to digital? No? No. I don't, no. <laughs> Am I way off? I don't know. Um, Depends what you were teaching. I mean, there's a history of photography. There's basic uh, black and white. There's, I mean, there's there's many different aspects of it. It's, I love okay. black. I love black and white. Okay. I think it's I think it's the most stylish uh-huh. look in a in a in a picture. I know in color, color is distracting to me because there's so much going on. In black and white, you see the faces. You see the you know you see them. You see the intensity of of, of the scene. Is black and white still popular as popular as it was, even though it's, well, of it's digital it, is everywhere? Uh, of course it is. Can yeah. your digital camera go black and white? I mean, yes. can you switch yeah, it to you black can, and white? You, well, it, it's not the camera. It's when you do the processing of it or oh, okay. putting a computer, you can get it in black and okay. white, certainly, yeah. And uh, no, but I was very honored, too. I had a commercial photography studio in Buffalo. And when I moved out here, I was, back then, I was showing around in, in Buffalo, in that area and so forth, and I was the first photographer accepted into a thing called the Members Gallery of Albright Knox Art Gallery. And they helped promote, and they had a gallery within the gallery that showed the work, and I was in different, and I wanted to expand, and I looked up, and there's a place called the Colorado Photographic Arts Center, who were very happy and proud. We have the new executive director here Absolutely. tonight. And she's been on the show. I know. She's, she's been, been on the show. She's, she was on the show with Reed Art and Art Imaging. And her name? Yeah. Elizabeth. Elizabeth what? Oh, a Samantha. No. It's Samantha. Yeah. Samantha, sorry. <laughs> and I'm sure she, you know, I've heard great things about her. I'm sure she's going to do a great thing. But back, this is a long, long time ago, I contacted a gentleman who unfortunately passed away, a guy by the name of Hale Gould, who was, I think, one of the most uh, tremendous 
photographers as far as uh, history goes that I have ever met. So I sent him a thing. I said, I'd like to have a show out here. So uh, I came out here to meet with him and showing my work, and I left Buffalo. It's a good example why to come to Denver. March 3rd, it was three degrees below zero in Buffalo, snowing like hell. I'm surprised the plane got off the ground. I landed in Denver, and it's 68 degrees and sunny. I'm looking and saying, what the hell is this? This is incredible. Met the people, and I just you know fell in love with it. At the same time, back in New York, I was producing an annual ski publication. I love skiing. I took a couple of days out here and went up to Winter Park to ski, and I just go, you got to be kidding. This is yeah. incredible, beautiful. So I just immediately said, you know, I'm shutting my studio. I'm moving out here. So I moved out here. I worked for a What year was that? Uh, well, I started teaching at the Institute in 1977, September. So okay. it was about 77, 76. You and Star Wars. Well done. Uh, absolutely. But I came out here um, and had a show at the Photographic Arts Center. It bombed. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was doing very abstract work, and it, it's, you know. Doesn't... Yeah, nudity back in 1977. Even out here. Uh, really? I don't show in Carroll. Right. Right, okay. But... Um, where, where is Hal Gould's collection now? What happened to it? Well, I think you better at it. It's Samantha in, would know. Oh, no. I, well, I think he sold a lot of it, didn't he? So yeah, he, he put oh, up for sale. So it's still it. okay. So it helped the estate. And but when I got out here, I got involved with the Colorado Photographic Arts Center. Became president for five years, and it was just a tremendous experience because I had the opportunity to meet all these a lot of internationally known photographers, and you know, met Ansel Adams and Ernest Haas, and just all kinds of great people. Have you traveled all over the world? No. No, my artwork has, my yeah, photographs. Your photographs have. I mean, yeah. That's when I noted about you because I saw that your artwork had gone everywhere. I just don't want to know if you followed it. You have not. It's too expensive. <laughs> Is it too expensive? <laughs> what, country, oh, yeah. what countries have you been to? Uh, let's see. Two years ago, I, had a, I was showing in London. This year, I was showing in. Uh, Is that your artwork or you? No, the artwork. You. Okay. Yeah, I've been to Paris. I've okay. been to London, but yeah. I've shown in London. I've, shown, I've been in London. I've been in Paris. The artwork. Yep. Uh, Persia, uh, let's see, yeah, um, boy, and LA, New York, um, Vermont, you know. In London and Paris, nudity is it's, it's commonplace. It's, right. it's, they've got yes. beaches, they've got uh, yeah. people walk around right. naked, right. no one really right. cares. I know. When Will Ferrell walks around naked, everybody's like, what? But, <laughs> but nudity in, nudity in America, nudity in America is still kind of taboo. Absolutely. I get to say I, don't ask me. I don't. I really don't know why. Quite frankly, I don't. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not prude, but it's. Uh, we like fashion in America. Maybe that's I, it. We know, like wearing clothes. I. It's more acceptable. Let's put it that way. I, mm. I have more acceptance, and it, it's like the gallery I have in Santa Fe. I'm sure I do two types of things. I do abstract work. If Explain abstract. Ah. Uh, you're using your own interpretation of what the images are. Got it. Okay. So I do these large abstract type of pieces where the nudity, but in Santa Fe, my abstract work goes. Okay. But in Dallas, you know, and in Santa Fe, they said, we're really, it's kind of conservative. We really don't want to show your nudes. We really like your abstracts. This is fine. My agent in Dallas, he said, I don't want to see your abstracts. I can sell your nudes much easier. Okay. So I said, Dep yeah. depends upon the area. And what does your artwork go for? Are you reasonably priced? I think the resort, you know, on 900 up. 900 up. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It all depends upon the size in it. Is that uh, framed or unframed? No, normally, it, it, that's framed, but, you yeah. know, uh, normally what I do with people, if someone comes to me and says, I want to buy this particular piece, I normally say, okay, here's the price without the frames on it because yeah. it's up to you, your interpretation, how you want this thing framed. So, you know, get it framed yourself, have it done professionally, you know, printed. But So, what state is nudity most? No problem, in your mind. No problem. Yeah, people just nudity. I can sell those nude prints. No problem. What What's, what state? What? what what states do you do well in with the nude prints? Uh, well, I again, I have a new agent in Dallas. I'm I'm looking forward to that. But um, Europe. Yeah. You know who the biggest consumers are in our country? I no. Go ahead. Women age 35 to 55. Really. If you took pictures of nude guys, your market your market <laughs> might go up a little bit more. <laughs> there you go. You might be selling there a lot go. more pictures. No, I know. No. Um, is it just? Is it just? I mean, women obviously. I, I like women too very much. Um, but um, do they have more interesting bodies than men? Is that why? You of do course. It? You know, you got tremendous curves. You got tremendous, uh, you know, movement and so forth. In all my work, if you look at my work too, people say to me, "How come you don't do show faces?" And I yeah. said, "Very." 
I because I use the body. Well, some women have a great no. body. And other men. <laughs> no, 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 no. He said it. No. I did. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you know, women. I'm just kidding. Stop it. I use the figure. Dolly Parton has a great face. <laughs> okay. And we'll be cut that out. <laughs> No, Anyways, <laughs> someone I, I use the mod, model. I don't use faces because the, the type of images I do, I use the forms and shapes of a model. That is timeless. If you put a head on there, it's like fashion photography. Hairstyles change all the time. Yeah. Makeup changes all the time. Yeah. Where the nude, no. It's a bit creepy too. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in the things I do, there's two series I do uh, with, with nudes. One's called Nature's Projected Image. And what it is, is I take pictures of nature from rocks, water, trees, brushes, and so forth. I project, take that image that I take, and I then project that onto a model, a nude model, photograph that. Then I also normally, I photograph on a, on a blue screen. I then select what background I want to enhance the particular image. The other series I do is called uh, graphic design projected image. Oh, you're looking at the thing right here. Yeah. Okay, those are my abstracts. Yeah. And uh, wonderful. Thank you. The there I do the same thing. I project these images onto model, photograph that. But I don't use a face because again, I used to do fashion all the time, and I'm every three to six months. You you your makeup has changed, your hair job. Plus, you get so it, it became very expensive. You got the hairstylist, you got the makeup artist, and so forth. Here, I may have an assistant. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's, and the studio audience right now is looking at the pictures right now, they're, and they're oh, wonderful. They okay. They're wonderful. They're wonderful. They're unique. They're different. One looks like a human cell, which I kind of like. Um, <laughs> whatever. It's, it's whatever the person sees, right? It's whatever we as the see my quote. Yeah, I do see your quote right see here. My quote. Why don't you read that? There, okay, my quote is: Photography is not just for capturing an image; it's for opening your imagination and creativity. That's what I tried to do with the, with the abstracts because you can then say, well, what is this? What did he photograph? What? How did he get this image? And there's a variety of different techniques that I used to uh, do to get these images. And sometimes when way back in the old days when you had film, I used to photograph different subjects or objects, and I take the film and drop it in a bucket of ice water for a week. And get it out. <laughs> I'm serious. Neat. That's neat. Take that, then you wouldn't have no frames in it, I take it and decide what image I want from there. Then I'd also take pins, heat up a pin on a hot plate or whatever, then mold, because most of the time I shot with uh, uh, ectochrome, which you had three distinct layers, and I take a pin and move those emulsions around to where I want it. Or I use a magic, so there are whole kinds of different techniques back back in those days that I was doing. There is so much competition in the world of photography now with pin, sure. it, pin it and and and, and, right. and all the other ones. That right. mean, uh, there's one that came to mind, uh, a Flickr. Uh, yep. the, there's so many, and, there, right. and there's so many neat stuff. Mm -hmm. How does one get out of that fold? How does one get out of that, that group and get their stuff into a gallery? Is it just... Well, it's not easy. I mean, it took me two and a half years to get into the gallery down in, in Santa Fe. Wow. You know, but, a and a lot of it is, is, is personal contact, is, is meeting people. But the other thing which... It, it's it's just any artist. I don't care if you're a musician or you're a uh, photographer or whatever. I'm a little bit different because I am very outgoing you and, I, and I, <laughs> I promote myself. You do a and wonderful job. Your Prescott <laughs> your press no, yeah. is bar none. I have not seen a Prescott for a photographer like this ever. Oh, thank you. I mean, really, never. You got to get out and, and I've seen a bunch uh, of them. <laughs> you look at what market do I want to hit and how am I going to hit it? Yeah. And you got to hit it all the time. I mean, it's consistency. It, you know, I've been doing this for 40 years now, sure. and um, it's about time. It is about time. It <laughs> takes time. You're right. It takes a lot of time, but you got to be, you know, if, if you have a passion for something, go for it. You know, just continue what you're doing and go for it. But a young, a young photographer should go to these galleries, go see what's, see what's selling, Absolutely. see what's selling, see what's people well, like, I think and, then, yeah. and then get to know the art, is it basically get to know the art gallery people, get yeah. to know the I think the one of the, the, the best gallery. things you can do in Colorado, go to go the Samantha. Colorado, go yeah. see Samantha, right the Colorado Photographic Arts Center. Right there. You know, it's a great place. And, uh, you know, I had the pleasure of being president for a while. It's a wonderful place. And I, I know she's going to have some great things doing with the Photographic Arts Center. I'm looking to... Uh, Go to a new location, which is Rhino and Iron. Right, yep. 
Yep, Rhino and Ironton and yeah. che- on, on Chestnut, go see it. They have great wine and cheese, believe me. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> um, wine and cheese and photography. But get to know the people in the place oh, yeah. and, and uh, look at the artworks that's showing and so forth and pick up the, the different pub- publications, though, because it's all, like you know, it, it's, it's contact is going out there. Because so many artists, be it the musician, photographer, painter, whatever, they may be good at their trade, but they're, they're very bad at promoting themselves. They got to go out there and uh, promote themselves. And that's one thing, you know, that's part of my background. I was, after got out, getting out of teaching, I went to the, uh, the Art Institute of Colorado. I said, you know, we got to get in the community service and we got to get in the PR. And I did. And fortunately, you know, when I, when I was working there, we won five national awards for a community service. I, w- I over the years, certainly you know, I've been involved with the press club for quite a few years. Yeah. I was executive director for a short time here, and um, I was on thirty-five different boards in Colorado here. Wow! And you know, I didn't get paid for any, but it was yeah, a, it's a passion. Uh, it's but passion. we plus it's networking. It, it was network. network. It's networking. Yeah, and that's yeah. What, yeah. And the other thing is to um, I'll tell you some funny stories because I also did some. I used to do crazy media stunts. Nice. Give us one. Something. Just give okay. us one that made you just stand out. Okay. Well, we got on CNN. I got on CNN. I was. <laughs> I got. I won't tell you the story how I got involved with this. Well, maybe. It, well, no, I won't. Uh, but I will tell you. There was a group in Denver. I got appointed by Federica Pena, then Wellington Webb, to a group called Keep Denver Beautiful. And long story how I got there, but I got in and I became president of this organization. And every year in the month of March, Glad Bag Corporation gave the city, the city of Denver, 35,000 bags distributed to local community groups outside the city and city for cleanups in the, uh, the different parks. And I said to the group at the time, was president, I said, well, how do you distribute these bags? And he said, well, uh, we, they come to Mile High Stadium, just pick them up. I said, well, wait a minute. That's, that's you know, you're missing a, f- a good photo opportunity here. I said, does the city have a portable stage? He says, yes. So I went to our design department and I said, could you design a stage for us inside the stage? He said, yes. So then I went to our fashion department and I said, could you, I have a challenge for you. I'll give you as many bags as you want. I want you to do a fashion show made out of plastic bags. And we're going to call it the Trash Flash Fashion Show. <laughs> so we did this at, at the stage. Plus, I invite, we invited environmental groups around to put up different environmental booths up. Then we invited all the different mayors and council members from different cities to do a lift sync competition and have the media judge it. So <laughs> it was a big thing. We got all kinds of publicity for it and so forth. It's a lot of fun. What fun. But the next year I said, you know, I had 135 people involved in all of this. I said, it's too many people. Sure. So I went out with our new executive director at that time. This was quite a few years ago, uh, Julia Zackel, and the environmental director from Thornton, who is Mike Woodwell. We're having a few beers, and I said, look, I, I don't want to get all these people involved. What do you want to do this year for the, it's called the Glad Bagathon? And he said, hey, we had this great idea. The three of us are going to sit on a billboard for as long as it takes to distribute the, the, the 35,000 bags. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now, this is in March. <laughs> okay. So we decided to do just the three of us and so forth. So we get there. And we, we thought this billboard was going to be maybe 10 feet up. Well, guess what? We get there this morning. It's off of Federal Boulevard. Okay, not a not super great location, but it's Princeton. <laughs> but we also went to had Goodwill. If you brought something for Goodwill, we had a Pepsi truck there. That you bring something for Goodwill, they give you a six-pack for Pepsi. And so they're right below us. Well, we get there in the morning, and we're having a press conference at noon. We show up at 10 o'clock. We didn't realize the billboard is 42 feet up. That's four stories, Okay. The other thing is, the billboard is the length of my knees is like 36 inches, you know, wide. So, well, Julius was a smoker at the time. He got up two cigarettes. He said, I'm afraid of heights. How are we going to do this? And I said, okay, we're going to practice this. So there's a long ladder going up, then to a shorter ladder going up four stories. So we get up there, and we had to sign a waiver. And there was a cable across that we had to clip into. And the guy said, well, I never had three people up on a billboard before, but what you're going <laughs> to... The good news is if you fall off, if one falls off, you won't hit the ground. The bad news is off, you're going to pull the other two with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. right. So I'm climbing up. I figured we'll do a practice before the press conference. I'm climbing up, and I get about three quarters of my heart going like this. I get up on top. I sit down. I said, oh, my God. How the hell? We were expected to be up there for three days. Okay. Now, 
we had, it's a big billboard, it had the logo for Keep Dumber Beautiful and all this stuff. Sure. So we get up there and we had a, a bucket up there. So we lowered it for interviews and so forth. And we ordered pizza and all kinds of crap like this. <laughs> so I, I get up there and I said, for some reason, I'm thinking outward bound. I got to go beyond because I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm going, oh yeah, my you're high up there. God. But it's so hard, so it's temperate. Right? Yeah, wait a minute. That, that was yeah. tied. This is about March 16th. It wasn't bad at the time yeah. that day. So. I come back down, and then we had a porty potty, porty potty down below. We had an American flag up there. And so I get down, I go up to Julius. I said, Julius, beautiful light. It's beautiful view up there, fresh air, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm just lying. He said, you go up. Well, he started to go up with his backpack. I said, no, no, don't take the backpack. We'll, we'll get that. So he climbs up. He gets up there and sits down. He said, Dick, you're handling the press conference. I'm not moving. You're doing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I did. We had the mayor there and all kinds of stuff. We got up there, and... Uh, we had all the media there, and I put out a press release because at the time, the most popular movie was Three Men and a Baby. Yeah. I put out a press release, Three Men on a Billboard for a, for a cause. Perfect. For a cause. So, uh, and that night, the wind picks up a bit, and the board's mm. going, <laughs> and everybody's freaking out. Sure. Well, what happens at night? You come down, and you sleep, and after, you know, the lights come on, it's 10 o'clock, these lights are going, you can't see a damn thing. So we're supposed to one of the but you guys are committed. Yeah, we're committed. Yeah. Well, one guy brought the tent. Well, the other guy forgot the sleeping bags. <laughs> okay. Oh, <no. laughs> okay. And the other is thing is, snu- is there some snuggling going on? Oh uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so we're in the tent just with their jackets, and I said, "Oh, by the way, I have I have Nick Carter from Channel Nine coming by. He's going to do a live remote from us at seven fifteen. So we got to be up there about quarter to seven or something like that in the morning." So we get up in the morning, and there's two inches of snow on the ground, okay? The weather turned bad. Yeah, okay. Okay, so we got up there, and we're in jeans, okay? So we're brushing this so snow So now there's up. two inches of yellow snow Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So we get up there, and uh, we sit down, and it's like 6.30 in the morning, you know, waiting for this guy. Nothing shows up. 7 o'clock comes by. There's no truck, no nothing. 7.15, I call up Channel 9. I said, hi, this is Dick Nosfish. I'm on the billboard. Where's Nick? He said, oh, we left a message on your answer machine at work. Uh, there's been a murder up the street. They pulled the truck. I'm wow. saying, what the hell are we doing up here at 630? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to breakfast. Trying to get some publicity. <laughs> it was a, the, the worst experience I've had. I mean, I love these guys. Sure. It was, uh, that was one thing I did. Right. And fortunately, that April when we had the uh, Glad Bagathon, we were in one of the parks. And we had, <laughs> if you remember, former Congresswoman Pat Schroeder. Anyway, she's a former congressman before Diana got here. And I'm talking to her, and she said to me, Dick, the mayor wants you. He's calling you, and he's speaking. I said, what? And the mayor said, come on, Dick, I, I got something for you. So he talked, and he's got, he gave me a little billboard, a miniature billboard. And it says, the craziest man in Denver for staying on a billboard 42 feet above the city of Denver. <laughs> so it was Aww. cool. It was pretty cool. That's nice. Last one I'll tell you about. Another thing we did, uh, Keith Denver came to me. city came to me and says, can your students design? We're having a problem with the big uh, dumpsters downtown, the, the, the lids of the dumpsters that keep them open, and trash is flowing out of it. So can your students design some posters? I said, yeah, I got a great idea. I said, why don't we, we'll have the student do that, but why don't we give them, uh, unveil the posters, you know, you support them, and so unveil them and give the certificates for students. But I said to the executive director, we said, what we'll do, let's clean out one of those dumpsters, cut a hole in the top of it, and we'll sit on it in a week on the 16th Street Mall. Nice. And <laughs> fortunately, it was in the summertime. Yeah. So we became Dumpster Dan, the garbage man. And <laughs> dumpster lids are a dirty thing. Keep your dumpster lids closed. I love it. So then we went to Mile High State in the football games, and we went to the zoo and all kinds of things. So it became Dumpster Dan. So anyway, I did all kinds. really well. And I was very fortunate when doing all these crazy stunts. The city of Denver nominated me for the President Points of Light program for the volunteerism. But my, my whole point sure. is I certainly I strongly believe in giving back to the community, get involved in the community. And that's why I'm involved with the press club and you know these other things I did. I, I, that's very, very important. Well, we can't thank you enough for being on the show. And, and you've been uh, some great stories and, and, a, and a lot of good stuff that we've learned about you. How can people find you and, and, and if they want to see your artwork and, and all that sure, stuff? Sure, you can go to my website, dwnphoto.com. And DW stands for Dick 
loud nude. No, it's Dick Mass. <laughs> I'm hey, already kidding. Hey, I'm already hey, kidding. Hey, what are you doing? Hey. <laughs> no. uh, and you're on Facebook and all that stuff too? Yeah, I'm on Facebook, Dick sure. Nosbish. But all right. DWNphoto.com. Dick Nosbish, are, are you ready for Rob's Fast Five questions? <laughs> of course. All right, ahead. here we go. Um, when you uh, approach a woman uh, to, to ask her, you know, how, how do you do that? How do you ask a woman, I'd like to take nude pictures of you? Well, I don't do it exactly that way. <laughs> I said, I am. A, I was just wondering if that would work. I, was no. <laughs> I normally go up to him. I said, yeah, I am a photographer. Take a look at my website first. And I'd like to talk to you if you'd be interested in doing it. You'd modeling it then. Because I always say something, you got to be comfortable with what you're doing. If you're not, don't do it. Because it certainly will show. Yeah. Because it's, it's a it's a cooperation between the model and yourself. And you're not going to get good photographs of someone who doesn't want to do it. Sure. So, you know, uh, just you know, honestly and very directly and saying this is what I do. If you could be in any band, you know, drummer, a yeah. drummer in any band, mm -hmm. and they could be, you know, one that you've always admired, what band would you be in? Be, I'll, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm very proud and very happy with the band I'm in right now. Oh, very good. Yeah. So, um, alt, altitude, jazz, jazz and, and beyond. beyond yeah. Altitude, jazz Absolutely. and beyond. Yeah, great, great. So you live, you live with the band you're in. Okay. I don't live with them, but <laughs> live with the band. <laughs> great, uh, great group of people. Who do you who do you admire in, in the world of in the world of photography? And well, there's many people that I look back at that I had the pleasure of meeting. You know, Ansel Adams, uh, Ernest Haas, uh, Alfred Rothstein, uh, Judy Dater. I mean, I, I had the pleasure of meeting a lot of people that I also interviewed at that particular time. So many, many of these. But I, I think the biggest influence to photographers. Ernest Haas, and uh, Pete Turner. How many years have you been bald? How many years have I been? Uh, how many years have I been bald? What a great question. Uh, probably about, I'd say, seven or eight, because my hairstyle has got me. She, after, she was after me it's for a, great, a year. Great. I mean, she, great. after me for a year, says, you know, you should go, you should uh, go bald. You should go bald. And I finally said, oh, hell, let's try it out. And I said, you're going to lose me as a client. I come here every month. Right. And you know, it totally she works, got me right? into that's that's all it was. And the person I was dating at the time said, "Do it, do it, do it." Even your press club picture is bald. Yeah, my, yeah I know. I'm on the yeah. wall. I'm fortunately yeah, I'm on the wall, the wall yeah. here, the Hall of Fame, the Wall of Fame, Wall of Fame, <laughs> Wall of Fame, the Wall of, Wall of Shame, whatever. What, what yeah. makes you smile? What makes Dick smile? People. I love people. You know, I love being with people. I love, uh, you know, I, I love your program. Thank you. I'm very honored to be on it. And you're, you got a great crew working for yeah, you, and a very awesome. beautiful lady here. You're executive yeah. director, and. Uh, I appreciate all the people that came tonight. Thank you very much. You know, they're great. Some of my friends here, some new friends, some old friends and uh, that I love. Sharon Cooper used to be many, many years ago. We started the PR committee here yeah. together. She was a great lady to work with. Still is a great lady. So, <laughs> what makes you sad? Uh, I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like prejudice. Okay. You know, I, I really can't stand. And I, I, there's many situations I've been in that they've been prejudiced for some reason or another. I don't care if you're white, black, orange, pink, or anything else. Yeah. So. Well, I can't thank you again for being on the show, and thank oh, you so pleasure. much. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you uh, more, because I already knew you before, and I just uh, we just thank you so much. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Pleasure. And of course, I couldn't do the show without my incredible crew and staff. They are outstanding. They keep the show going. They keep me up and going. They keep themselves up and going, and we just do it week in and week out every Wednesday night here at the Press Club. I want to thank Will, my director, producer, and great chief editor. He just does an outstanding job. I hope you like what you listen to. My IT director, he does a lot of editing as well with Will, Matt, and of course, Chantel, who does a lot of our uh, marketing work for us. Mancho from Cameroon, who does all our AV stuff for YouTube. And of course, our wonderful executive producer, Mariah Weiss, who keeps us all tame and, and together as a unit. And uh, we cannot do this without the Denver Press Club either. The Denver Press Club hosts us every week. I'm a proud member and uh, very happy that we are here every Wednesday. And I want to thank the staff. Carmen, the general manager. Bruce Goldberg, the president of the club. And of course, the staff here, Mark and Will. Uh, the best bartenders and cooks around. So if you are in the Denver metro area, come by and see us on Wednesdays. We'd love to see you. Listen, talk, love, and wake up with a purpose every day to do something good. And you just might be right down here with us in downtown Denver at the Denver Press Club as our topic of conversation. Thank you and good night.
watching. 